1: Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is
0: the Rob Black Show.
1: Something like 85 days left until Christmas. And this is an inflation Christmas. This is the first time we've gone through this for many of us. How will it change things? Typically, we say the right things, but we do the wrong things. We say we'll cut back on our spending. But I know that's not realistic. You know, my spouse has already bought Christmas gifts. Has yours? I always find that kind of interesting. Um, I'm not a big gift guy. It's not that I'm cheap. It's that I just don't get gifts. It's If I want something, I get it for myself. If I think you need something, I get it for you. It doesn't have to be a holiday. So we've got a few months to go until the 2022 holiday season. Some people are trying to get that early jump. On top of the usual stress related to snagging the perfect present for loved ones, you have the recent rise of cost of living due to inflation that should have you rethinking your holiday spending strategies. I can be quite honest with you and tell you I don't remember one thing that I got for Christmas last year. And it would take me probably half a day to figure it out, not because I'm feeble and got old timer's disease, um, because I just it doesn't doesn't resonate. I get tired every year. My spouse gets pajamas, matching set for the kids. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. We've done the candy cane thing. We've done the. Fortnite pajamas. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've <clears throat> okay. We uh we're good. So I don't know if I necessarily need anything. I just bought myself some shirts from my favorite uh clothing store. Um I, I'm just not that it just doesn't shock me. Like I remember my best gift ever. It was when I was a child, it was a space nineteen ninety-nine. I didn't really like Star Wars, and I didn't really like Star Trek. I was one of those kids. I was a BBC kid. Space 1999 was a BBC Star Trek show ripoff, and it was awful. But I remember I got a kind of a flying toy. On top of that, my brother Dave got me a plaque of 1978 New York Yankees signed World Series plaque. And then after that, I, <clears throat> it starts to really fade. A girlfriend once got me the soundtrack to the Muppet movie on CD because that was my most impressionable movie as a child. It was about a frog who wanted to go to the West Coast. And I feel like I'm a frog who went to the West Coast. And he took along his friends. and I took along my friends. He wanted to get into show business. I wanted to get into financial planning talk. Okay, so me and the frog differ a little bit, but it ain't, ain't it sweet to be green? So other than that, I can't remember Christmas gifts. You, know? 84% of holiday shoppers questioned. So they will try to save money this year with 40% saying they'll buy fewer items. 21% say they'll be purchasing gifts from cheaper brands and 40% saying they'll be seeking out coupons, sales and discounts. 17% of holiday shoppers said they'll be making more do-it-yourself gifts. 11% said they'd be giving used or secondhand items as presents. Now I like that. I do like people giving used gifts. I don't know what that tells you about me, but it tells me something. 17% of respondents said they'll be using credit card rewards to help offset costs. 27% said they'll be starting their shopping sooner than in previous years. It won't take you long to figure out Target's got a big sale coming up. Amazon's got a big sale coming up. I think my general piece of advice is create a list of 10 people you want gifts for and then only get the top three. And the next seven, just write them a letter. I know you're saying a letter? Yeah. um, Something nice. I'm going to get to go to lunch with Neil Hennessy in a couple of weeks. Neil Hennessy used to be on my TV show. And he's a hedge fund manager, not a hedge fund manager, mutual fund manager, excuse me. And he's a quant guy. And he's in Nevada, California. And I moved to Marin last year. And I'm at the stage of my career, my life, where I want to go out to lunch with him and just listen to him. He's brilliant. He's got a, a bit of an Irish accent. He looks a lot like Dr. Phil. And that's my Christmas present to myself, is that I reached out to him and he's hey, I'm gonna buy him lunch and that's gonna be my gift. We were talking yesterday and you know, setting plans to meet at Marinjo's for lunch. And um he was really cute because he always feels like he has to talk to the stock market, like I do too. People know what I do for a living, and they'll go, Hey, markets right at the bottom, are they? And uh he was talking to his Rob Rob, let me tell you, uh, this is no different than when I was growing up in the 70s, where Republicans and Democrats, we had this whole Vietnam War, and we had old people hating young people, young people hating old people. Now you just got like Trump people against non-Trump people, and you're like, yeah, it's not that different in a world, and we'll, we'll go higher. Don't worry about it. We'll go higher. I'm like, I'm not really all that worried, but he's a guy who wants to tell you we'll go higher. And he's fantastic because 15 years ago, he'd get on CNBC and the Dow may be at 8,000. And he'll say, Maria Barromo, Dow's got to go to 16,000, 16,000. And she goes, that's amazing. You just predicted a double. I can't believe, Neil, you just predicted a double on the stock market. He goes, ah, no, no. It's just what the stock market does every 7.2 years. It doubles. And he is just that kind of guy that it's going to be the best Christmas gift I ever give to myself that a fact that I reached out to him and said, hey, we kind of live close to each other. Can I buy you lunch? He, he said, yeah. Sweet man. I really, really appreciated that. And uh, he responded to it a personal email for me. And in the last 15 years, my career has gone great. His career has gone great. He's one of the most popular mutual fund managers on the planet. He's got a, a family of funds that I have no problem telling you about. The Hennessy Funds. Don't ask me to spell Hennessy because there's always like like an extra S or Y or E in there that I could always forget. But he is a sweet, good man. So that's what I want for Christmas. Stupid stuff like that. Um, Depending on how much shopping you need, $240 may seem like a drop in the bucket, but a little can go a long way. So some people start putting aside $20 each week to purchase holiday gifts right now. $20 now, $20 all through October. And you kind of get the idea. Again, I'm lucky enough that I don't feel stress on money. I worked really hard to get to where I am and to have the friends that I do. I feel blessed to have friends. Uh, I never thought my life would go this well. There's some shopping experiences that I don't know a lot about, but like Rakutan It's a popular option since it's easy to use. You just add it to your browser and click the activate button when you're on an eligible website. There's hundreds of retailers that participate and they give you money back. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. And you might've seen them if you're watching a Golden State Warriors basketball game. They have a patch on their jersey. Um, The City Double Cash card gives you 2% back, 1% on all your purchases, 1% when you uh, pay off your credit card bill. I've been using the city double cash card for years, and I put all of the money that I make in the cash back into my kids' fun account for when they graduate college and get married. So they'll either be able to go on like a great trip or have a great wedding. And dad's covered it with credit card points, and then I put it into investments as well. So that's how I roll. I use some of the free things in the world, like credit card points, to finance things like gifts and things that may stress a family out, spending $30,000 on a wedding, knowing that your kid's going to get a divorce in three years. Um, That's not my cup of tea. So I've been saving for it with like credit card rewards, right? Here's the kicker. If you ever use credit card rewards, actually use them. If you ever accumulate them, use them. Because the terms on the credit card rewards changes on a regular basis, and they say you only have one year until they expire, or they'll say in one year, instead of getting 1.25 points, we're only going to give you 0.75 points for each dollar you spend. You're like, oh, so it's not as good. So on a regular basis, probably twice a year, I take all my credit card points and I turn them into cash in the city Double Cash existence, and my Chase Sapphire Preferred I book trips, um, and again, that's a little bit of a gimmick in my opinion because when you book trips on their card through their site, you feel like there's an extra $40 of fees in there somewhere, but if you just went straight to Alaska Airlines and booked straight from them, it would be $40 cheaper. Uh, I'm not going to say the word racket, but it never goes as smoothly as I want it to. But two in five Americans say inflation will change their holiday shopping habits this year. Um, I believe that that's 40% of people and with the headlines on inflation, I think that's fine. Don't feel guilty. Um, if you don't get your kid the perfect Christmas, just get him a nice bottle of uh scotch and some cigarettes, carton cigarettes. Have you seen how much carton cigarettes cost? He says it's like a million dollars. That's a nice gift. go not you get your kid cigarettes or whiskey. You can get me a, a beer and I'd be a happy man. So that's how I roll. Anyhow, um, 84% of shoppers question. So they will try to save money this year. 40% say they'll be buying fewer items. 21% they'll will purchase gifts with from cheaper brands. That's an interesting one, right? Um, I was always stunned by the statistic that when you go into like a CVS and you buy allergy medicine, if you buy the brand that you see on TV commercials, it's a lot more expensive than if you buy the CVS brand. And they say the people who will buy generics are college educated. The people who buy the TV brands are high school educated. What's that say about our society? I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial, money, investing, and more.
2: Brought to you by EP Wealth.
0: This is the Rob Black Show.
1: How much do you think you need to retire? Quick quiz. What's the dollar amount that you think you'll need when you hit that magical number and say, I'm done working? I'm guessing you're thinking like 65. That's the number that I come up with in my head when I'm asked that quick question. How much do you need to retire? I know the answer is a lot more than people think. 38% of Americans think they'll need less than $500,000 to retire. That's a far cry from the traditionally recommended amount of $1 million. But the truth is you'll probably need somewhere between 500000 and $5 million. And it's not one size fits all. Depending on your financial situation, which we all differ like gold and clay, where you want to retire is obviously going to be a big one. I've got an extended family member who lives just outside, just south of Tampa. And she's writing these crazy, she's crazy first, first and foremost, she's crazy. Second, she's really, really, really crazy on Facebook. And um, she writes these long Facebook posts that me and my spouse get around the fireplace and we just like snicker like, oh, my God, like, did she just really talk about in 13 paragraphs her prep for the the hurricane? And I guess I guess the answer is yes. 38% of Americans think they'll need less than 500,000 to retire. 30% believe they'll need 500,000 to a million. 14% think they'll need between one and one and a half million. 8% said they'll need between one and a half million to two million. 3% believe they'll need two million to two and a half million. 2% believe they'll need two and a half to three million. And 6% believe they'll require more than three million. So just do some basic math if you retire at 65. Let's say you live 20 years to 85, $100,000 a year, $2 million to get to 85. But what about inflation? What about the roof? What about the car accident that you get in? What about the neighbor who insists that you replace your fence? So there is no right answer. Now, how do you figure out what to withdraw safely? You're going to want to err on the side of caution. I am a moderate in everything that I do. I do my exercise at a moderate level. I don't go too extreme. I do my diet on a moderate level. I don't go to extremes. Um, I don't drink whiskey, but if I were to drink whiskey, I'd do that on a moderate level. Is retiring on five hundred thousand dollars possible? Sure. But that's going to be basic substance to keep a roof over your head, food in your fridge, clothing on your back, access to some sort of transportation, communication, health insurance, and that's about it. More and more Americans are looking overseas to retire. And I'm not against the idea. It's just I have kids and I want to like, see the kids. And I don't want to go, come to Mexico, see dad or Panama, or Colombia, or Costa Rica, or Portugal. All very big U.S. expatriate communities. Explosive growth. How to boost your retirement savings. Your 401k is the best way to do it. Um, Investing in down markets is the best way to do it. Asking for a raise is a great way to do it. Considering a, a second job, a weekend job if you have to. I don't look at tax refunds as, woohoo. let's go to Mexico, or let's go to a casino, or let's get Raiders tickets. I look at a tax refund as I paid too much tax during the year. Shame on me. So anytime I get a tax refund, a bonus, um, credit card rewards, I always save it. It always, always, always goes to savings. And I have enough to live now till the day I die. My kids have enough to live till the day they die. Can you imagine the stress I've taken away from them? I've given them the opportunity. If they want to go to medical school, they can go to medical school. school. If they want to be a dental hygienist, they can be a dental hygienist. They're not going to have to stress about cash, which is, I think, one of the, the stupider things we do in our society is that we create, in our one lifetime, this massive race to get money. It's a bit on the silly side. So 38% of Americans think they need less than 500,000. I'll tell you, the answer for me is what I would need is more like two and a half million. For my spouse, another two and a half million. And for the way I wanna spend on grandchildren, probably another million. See, I haven't thought that one out through. Because did you see, I said probably, probably a million. Too quick of an answer, right? Too off the cuff. Retirees list their three major retirement regrets, and they're all so common. Waiting too long to start saving, investing too conservatively in their youth, and dipping into retirement funds. I saw a guy who had a HELOC from a couple years ago. He's 72 years old, dropped me an email. And his HELOC's gone from 3% to 7%. And he now wants to dip into his retirement savings to pay off his HELOC. And I said, well, you could certainly do that, but that's probably going to increase your tax bracket this year. Probably not the most ideal thing to do when the market's down. I said, just pay it month to month. Like, you kind of got screwed. You kind of played a game where you kept a home equity line of credit around and then interest rates went skyrocketing high on you. One minute, Stupid you. You didn't see the worst case scenario there, did you? But now he wants to solve the problem in one month. And I'm like, in six months from now, if the market's up 10%, way better to wait six months. Now, on the other hand, if six months from now, the market's down another 20% and he can no longer afford the HELOC and he has to figure out groceries or HELOC, he made a mistake. So do we all see the mistake he made? He didn't have enough emergency cash on the sidelines to handle a an emergency situation like a rise in interest rates. Anyhow, how much do you need for retirement? And what are the biggest mistakes in retirement? They go hand in hand, don't they? I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't miss
0: an episode of The Rob Black Show. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Stanley Drunkenmiller sees a hard landing in 2023 with a possible deeper recession than many expect. It's nice to build worst-case scenarios so you can grasp it and really process it. Um, Stanley Drunk Miller is, I I would kind of refer him to like a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. He's got a good career. He's a billionaire investor. He sees aggressive tightening measures going to tip the U.S. economy into a recession. Our central case is a hard landing by the end of 2023. He will be stunned if we don't have recession in 2023. He says, I will not be surprised if it's not larger than the so-called average garden variety. When you're a legendary investor, when you talk, people listen. The Fed is now in the middle of its most aggressive pace of tightening since the 1980s. The central bank last week raised rates by three quarters of a percentage point for the third straight time and pledged more hikes to beat inflation. That's triggering a big sell-off in risk assets. The S P 500 has taken out its June low and reached a new bear market low. It has hit a six-day losing streak. There's going to be little periods of, oh, the market's moving up. Maybe we've put in a bottom. Drunken Miller once managed George quantum fund and shot to fame after making a $10 billion bet against the British pound in 1992. He later oversaw $12 billion as president of Decaying Capital Management before closing his firm in 2010. He says he don't have to talk about black swans to be worried here. Just to me, the risk reward of owning assets doesn't make a lot of sense. So that's his opinion. That's a, an aggressive opinion. And his best investment play was 30 years ago. But he's still a billionaire, so you still listen, right? I saw an interesting side story that I think is fantastic, and this is where I give millennials all the props in the world. Couples are asking wedding guests for cash rather than gifts to help them buy a house. Now, you put together what's happening in the stock market now, what's happening in the economy right now. Drunken Miller saying it could be bad in 2023. It could be hard in 2023. And you're a young couple who's walking down the aisle this weekend. And if you're asking for cash, that is way better than asking for a spork. I know you're saying spork. It is the legendary wedding gift that I get all couples when I have to buy them off a registry. Half spoon, half fork, totally useless. Some couples are using wedding registries to help fund down payments. And I think that's fantastic. One couple raised $30,000 from guests towards the deposit cost and another raised $10,000. Still likely going to end in divorce. Still likely going to end with an affair. Still likely going to end with children who get destroyed by mom and dad being lonely. Having to change homes. But I think it's the right thing to ask for. Instead of putting a kitchen appliance on the list. Like an electric carving knife. Just buy your own damn electric carving knife, okay? Um, I like seeing couples that say, we are working hard to save for our first home. And any contributions will be sincerely appreciated. And if you're not cool enough to see that as like the right thing to do, I want to give them a spork or a carving knife. Why are they asking for cash? That's so impersonal. Uh, Kids they are going to need to do whatever it takes to get by. I'm working in radio and when I see young people in the industry, I'm like, there's not a lot of money in this industry. There's not a lot of career in this industry. You got to work at it a long time. You got to start like branching out and finding financial planners that want to do a a podcast. You're going to need to pick up some side gigs. I know savvy when I see savvy and millennials are much savvier than Generation X. They're willing to do the side gigs. They're willing to do the weekend hours. They're willing to ask, you know, let's break with tradition and ask for cash for a wedding. That's a cool. That's a cool thought. Now, again, I want you to spend your twenties finding the right person to love. Um, I had an image of the right person, and it was wrong. And we were married less than a year. Um, and I was largely to blame, but she was too. Sixty-two percent of workers cut back on savings amid concerns about the economy. Employers are emphasizing financial wellness. About one-third of respondents have cut back on 401k contributions, which is – it sucks because the number one time you should be maxing out your 401k is in down markets. But concerns on high inflation and possible recession prompted 62% of workers to to reduce their short and long-term savings. Almost a third – Reduced contributions to their 401k plan. 26% said they'll cut back on paying down debts. 25% reduced their long-term savings. 24% scaled back emergency and short-term savings. 19% whittled down contributions to health savings accounts. 13% reduced contributions to college saving funds. So people are financially stressed. And they're going to get married. (laughs) They're going to buy a house. They're going to get divorced. Because they're financially stressed. Financial stress is like the worst thing for a marriage. I don't know any marriage that can really survive it. It's something I, I say on a regular basis is if you're a spender, marry a spender. If you're a saver, marry a saver. Um, just so you don't fight about money. The reduced savings is concerning as more wealth is being created in the workplace than anywhere else. That includes 401k and deferred compensation plans, employee stock ownership plans, emergency savings accounts, and student loan assistance. I was working with a woman who was trying to get qualified for a mortgage the other day, and she's going to use money from a corporate savings plan. I was like, do you have a document? Like, Do you have a recent statement? And she's like, nah, I think they gave me one like 17 months ago. I'm like, wait, wait, your company is saving money in your name, and you don't have a statement? Of what bank it's at in your name? And she goes, yeah, I know. I'm like, you need to make sure you have that money. You need to make sure that your company is putting that money in a savings account with your name legally on it. Exactly. You got to see it. And she didn't qualify for the loan. And she missed out on a home purchase because she wasn't able to document that she had savings set aside for her from her corporation that she was going to use as a down payment. She wasn't able to pull this off in like a a two, three week time period. So putting money aside for the long-term goals can be tough. I get it. Start by maxing out the most you can do. Um, I was always very thrifty in college and I became very thrifty in life. I had a girlfriend that was like, let's just stay in and draw each other. So (laughs) our Friday night dates were like charcoal drawings. I know you're saying like, like the one in Titanic that ended in sweaty love in the back of a car on a boat that went goes down? Yes, like that. <sighs> my life is like the Titanic. It's a fair comparison. It all ends badly. But I'm not making it worse. I'm staying invested, and I'm continuing to invest in my 401k. I'm Rob Black. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. this is The Rob
0: Black Show.
1: I always find it interesting when days I could talk about weather. And it actually is an investment conversation. Hurricane Ian is heading for Tampa. It didn't get deep in the Gulf, so oil rigs didn't have to shut down aggressively, which could have caused the price of gas and oil to go higher. Interesting thoughts, right? Um, But it also didn't hit the more expensive side of the uh, country, the Atlantic side. So Tampa, this is going to probably be the sixth most expensive hurricane ever in the United States. How is... That much wind and water equals $70 billion. It's phenomenal to me to watch the numbers swell every year. Speaking of phenomenal, let's bring in our guest, Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com, a reliable source of domestic and international news that you can use. I really like the website. I start my day every day with page one. Today, page one is kind of gloomy there, Um, Mr. O'Hare. It's kind of a gloomy market these days and not a lot of fun reading on Bank of England bond purchases being a top story. How are you, sir?
2: Yeah, good morning, Rob. I'm sorry to have uh, started your day on that note, but uh, I guess the facts on the ground are the, are the tough facts. And, you know, what the Bank of England is doing is is driven by, you know, uh, some bad things, frankly. And um, uh, we're not too sure, though, if what the Bank of England is prescribing here is ultimately going to be the cure.
1: Um a lot is – it's compounding, isn't it? So Bank of England um, had to step in to help their bond market. The new government comes in. They say, let's do tax cuts. People will like that. And the stock market worldwide said, no, no, no. We don't like that at all. It's its interesting the way money made the right decision or money had a different decision than what the politicians thought pulling off. and That kind of reminds me of our own pandemic and how we spent money and some of the ramifications that it, it causes down the road.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it's a mess to put it, you know, bluntly. Um, right. Uh, it's a fiscal and monetary policy mess. And, uh, and some of it has been, you know, brought up, you know, these authorities brought it upon themselves in some respects. Um, you know, the Bank of England, like the Fed, you know, didn't move quickly enough on its own part to try to get inflation under control. Um, but the timing of this unfunded tax cut on the part of the new UK government was just pretty astounding, frankly. And and the capital markets, you know, uh, the collective wisdom of the capital markets rendered judgment that it was a real policy mistake. And you saw that in the collapse of the pound, which fell to a record low against the dollar. And you saw it with the, uh you know, with guilt yields, you know, shooting sharply higher um, and and it had a little bit of a domino effect just because it created more uncertainty for the capital markets which in the US manifested itself in you know in lower stock prices uh because uh, you know what we're dealing with at home is also uh you know a fed that is basically trying to correct its first policy mistake by not raising rates quickly enough uh by now raising them very quickly and telling everyone that they're going to keep raising them on a somewhat aggressive line. And uh, and that could ultimately, well, from the market standpoint, that's invited the concern that that particular approach will invite the next policy mistake of over-tightening and uh, ushering in a recession for the U.S., which is then going to have reverberations around the world as well.
1: Is there any positive news to hang our hats on with yesterday, the Dow hitting the bear market territory earlier in the week and the S&P 500 hitting new lows? Christmas is 85 days away, roughly, and people are saying they're going to cut back spending. Is there anything to look forward to in the near term? Um, Maybe a CPI number that's down a little bit more? I don't know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Biogen had some good news today (laughs) on its uh, early Alzheimer's treatment, but that's, uh, you know, more stock specific, but, uh, clearly good news if that, uh, you know, ultimately gets approved and, and those results bear out in, um, you know, uh, for a lot of sufferers of, of Alzheimer's. But, you know, setting that point aside, uh, it, you know, the, 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 good news function right now is it is hard to, to pinpoint. I mean, one thing that, uh, you can probably latch onto. You know, as a a long-term investor, and this is someone with multi-year time horizon, is that you do have stock prices that are are sharply lower than they were, obviously, at the start of the year. Um, You know, we have um, some very negative sentiment readings, uh, which can be looked upon as contrarian catalysts. Uh, But, um, you know, as a colleague of briefing.com has suggested that, you know, when when the action in the currency and and uh, and the bond markets kind of take center stage, uh, even though sentiment is leaning sharply negative in the stock market, you know that doesn't necessarily become the immediate contrarian rally point that some people think it might because because of the distraction of what's going on in those other markets um, and what they're you know potentially signaling. Um, so, uh, in other words. You know, there could be some more near-term pain here before that uh, extreme negativity turns around and and you know people see it as a you know as a, as a buying uh, point. But uh, but in general, you know, stocks are lower priced; they come down in value. Um, the interest rate cycle uh, arguably is closer to an end than the beginning, and uh, and if interest rates can. Stabilize and start to come down, then you know the ingredients are potentially there for for a better performance for the stock market. But uh, but it's just no guarantee here over the near term that we'll get to that point. And so you do have to be patient and you have to pick your spots. And uh, and from a long term standpoint, continue to dollar cost average here.
1: The firm that I work with, I talk to the investment policy committee, and what they're doing quite smartly, I think is upgrading everything to better quality. Um, Their bonds are going better quality. Their investment decisions are better quality. Um, Maybe not the best returns in a good market, but safer returns in a down market. Um, Is it batting down the hatches for hurricane and kind of like the same batting down the hatches for maybe what you might be doing in your personal finances and and what you're doing as far as advice goes, or um, is there a different way of explaining that maybe?
2: Yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of ironic right now in that when treasury yields were, you know, um, below, you know, 1%, uh, uh-huh. hugging, hugging the zero bound in some respects, everyone was clamoring for, you know, higher yields. There was no all, alternative, right, right? to To equities. Um, and, uh, and now that we've gotten these higher yields, you know, there's a lot of, um, Hemming and in terms of the negative effects of those, those higher yields. But, you know, for investors, it does become, you know, you do have a better option now or, or another option, I should say, uh, that can generate some, you know, risk free income for you if you, you know, hold those charging securities to maturity. And, uh, and, and it's, you know, we, we kind of touched on this, I think a little bit last week. It's just like this, this return to normalcy, if you will, in terms of what, how the interest rate structure looks. Uh, is, is, painful at first, but, you know, there's a, there's a payoff in the end, uh, so to speak. And, and so that, you know, that's something that it's tough to digest right now, but it's also, you know, relatively good thing here, uh, in the mix of everything else that now you can have more, uh, diversification and there, that there are other alternatives to just stocks. But, um, but the, the, the trade-off right now anyway is that what you might be able to pick up now uh, in the treasury market, um, you know there 's the imbalance because you 're still getting you know sharply lower stock prices and uh we may not have hit a bottom there yet in the stock market and so uh, so it 's a tough equation still but um but in the grand scheme i mean i think it's it 's uh creating some some better investment alternatives and more attractive return options for for investors seeking a diversified investment portfolio.
1: Interesting. I'm gonna get a giggle out of you. I think um to start my show this morning, I, I wrote down how long do bear markets last. And I just wanted to pull up some fresh statistics. And the average bear market lasts about 289 days, and you start doing the math, and we're kind of getting there in the United States. Um <clears throat> if we count January 1 as the start of the bear market or January 3 when we hit a high or whatever it was, but then I also remember they can last as much as five years or they can last as little as two months. I'm like, do I talk about this out loud? Do I give people hope that you know we we could be done soon? Um, yeah. And I'm like, no. Nah. And yet there was a uh, research report out this morning that says one in three people are cutting back how much they put in their 401k due to inflation costs in their life. And I'm like, that's the one I chose to focus on. Try not to cut down on your 401k. And maybe next week I'll talk about bear market links
2: yeah and well, you can also see markets just kind of do nothing for extended periods as well, you know going sideways and just kind of being range bound for for many years as well um uh, and in an environment like that i mean it's you know you still you want to basically like as you alluded to you know uh, seek out quality and and companies that have a well covered dividend that uh, can help on the total return side of things. But, you know, this is an interesting period, though, Rob, I think, because, you know, you have a, a whole generation of investors that has basically just kind of grown up on, you know, zero interest rates and bull markets. And uh, and there's a, you know, there's an inflection right. point has been reached here, seems to be anyway, uh, that we're not going to be, you know, moving back to that type of uh, realm uh, anytime soon. So does a more challenging investment environment and and I think uh what you spoke of in terms of the investment committee you've worked with you know gravitating more toward quality is 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 certainly a good option here at, at this at this juncture but um you know, so it's going to take some getting used to that. You yep. know, we cannot necessarily rely on uh, the Fed to come bail us out every time the stock market has a problem. And I think that's the message of Fed Sheriff Powell right now.
0: Brought to you by EP Wealth, this is The Rob Black Show